Avengers Age of Ultron is garbage, folks. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know the difference, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Look at that. That is a werewolf. <laughs> What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Den of Geek Presents Marvel Standom Live. Folks, it's a big one this week. I say that a lot, but I really mean it this time because we are talking about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Unquestionably, one of the best movies of the year, one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen in my life. And with me for all time and always to break it all down, we've got Den of Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard. TV editor Alec Bajalid, and welcome back, brilliant pop culture writer and Denigy contributor, Mr. Joe George. Kirsty, why don't you start us off and try and walk everybody through just all of the amazing weirdness in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? In Across the Spider-Verse, Miles is missing his team from the last movie, especially Gwen Stacy, who he's been crushing on real bad. Marl's ambition has strengthened and he wants to go to college in New Jersey, but that's an uphill battle as his friendly neighborhood duties as Spider-Man continue to distract him. Miraculously, Gwen suddenly returns and spends some time with Miles and the pair try and chase down a villain called The Spot. It turns out that after a showdown with her father, Gwen has begrudgingly been accepted into the Spider Society, a multiverse protecting gang of Spideys from different universes who try and make sure that canon events happen so that things run smoothly. But Miles is kind of a problem for them. As revealed by Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara, Miles was never meant to be a Spider-Man. The radioactive spider that bit him was from another universe, and now that universe doesn't have a Spider-Man. But it does have a Miles Morales who became the Prowler. And now he's captured Miles while Gwen puts together a team to save him from a spider society that now considers him a threat to existence itself. This movie sounds like a lot, and it is. And in the wrong hands, a story like that would be an absolute disaster, right? But I get the feeling that nobody on this show feels that way. Alec, I'm going to start with you this week because we have subjected you to some weird shit in the last few months between making you read the classic Spider-Man 2099 comics, making you watch Trial of the Incredible Hulk. We're going we're gonna to give you a softball here right now, buddy. So what, what did you think of this fight? Obviously, it's amazing. It feels so good to be back in the, the warm embrace of a Spider-Verse movie yet again. Mike, I remember reading your Into the Spider-Verse review. Like, as far as I'm concerned, that's like a seminal Den of Geek text. Like, <laughs> like in our Bible. Like, it's such a great review for such a great movie. And like this movie just has me feeling the same way all over again. I'm sure we have so much to talk about. So like, I don't even want to like continue to prattle on. I'll just say it's nice when you can see a movie that's just dripping with pure, unadulterated effort. My God, the level of work that had to go into crafting every single frame of this from a technical perspective, from an animation perspective, from a talent perspective, from a storytelling perspective, um, it's just a movie that absolutely put in the time to be the best possible version of itself it could be. And it's just a delight to watch. Five stars. Great job, everybody. Joe, how about you? Oh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's it is a lot. And, and I think that's the, the phrase I keep going back to describe it. And I don't mean that as a bad thing at all, but it just every couple of minutes it throws something new at you that you would not have expected both on an emotional character level and on a visual level and a story level i mean there's just so many times watching that where i laughed out loud just not because it was necessarily a joke but because that was just so clever and i never in a million years would have thought about handling uh these characters or that story beat in that particular way it's it's so refreshing to see a movie like this. Just like a lot of us here, I'm going to keep watching superhero movies no matter how many they put out. But it, it's 
so exciting to see somebody take the concepts and take the genre and just push it into this whole new realm that I would never expect it. It's, it's an utter delight. Yeah, I knew it was going to be good. I, I, I was like, I don't know whether it's going to be as good as that first one. And I think about 15 minutes in, maybe, uh, I turned to my boyfriend and I said, like, this is incredible. And he was just like nodding enthusiastically with just like a massive grin on his face. And, and I just thought, I saw that same face everywhere that I looked, you know, I, I looked around a little bit and everyone was just, just grinning and just having such a, an amazing time. And I, it, the craftsmanship that's gone into this is, is just phenomenal. I, I, I'm, I was really floored by it. I, I thought it was just just spectacular um a really really amazing film and it's it's so you can with a a movie that's sort of a first parter you know you think about some of the first parters we have you know they can feel a little bit stretched out like they're spinning their wheels a little bit so that they can save all the good stuff for the second part right but that never felt like this. It really it, it just like Joe said it just it just once it get, got going it just didn't stop and but even those intimate scenes that we had towards the start of the movie with Miles and his family and uh with Gwen um and her father that they they felt essential and they felt um you know engaging it wasn't like I was mm, oh the action slowed down a bit you know uh, really really just all, all the good stuff um when I talked to the directors they said they could have spent you know, the whole movie with Miles and his family, because they just love spending time with them. And and I, I didn't really know what they meant. I thought, oh, that sounds a little bit boring. <laughs> but when I was watching the movie, I was like, yeah, I could. You know what? I could. Uh, I get it now. I think that's really the key for for as much as this movie and the first movie are you know, about the multiverse, right? The, the reason that we care is because they do such a good job of making you care about Miles and his parents and everybody else. If this was just a street level story about Miles Morales, the Spider-Man of Brooklyn, it would still be amazing. Like it would still be like an incredible, perfect movie. I have complete faith that this same creative team would make something just as memorable and just as beautiful because yeah, I could have watched 90 minutes of them in the guidance counselor's office, folks. Masterpiece is not a strong enough word for this movie. Like I don't have high enough praise for this film. I didn't think, look, we'll get into some of this a little bit later in the show. I didn't think you could top that first movie. Um, and I think they did. I really do. Um, it's just, it's it's just so nice to be pleasantly surprised like this. <laughs> and there's so much, there's so much packed into it that immediately, immediately, I left the cinema and I was like, I need to see this again because it was uh, it was going by so quickly. Like Andrew just showed us the picture of the uh, Mars delivering the cakes to the party, and I can't remember what the cakes looked like or the joke that was on them after they'd been smushed but I remember I laughed out loud <laughs> like a belly laugh does anyone remember what it said because it, it was I'm like not really proud I think isn't that oh, what yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect movie we got a lot to talk about today but first a word from our sponsors G Fuel is entering the Spider-Verse in a big way this summer with an all-new energy drink collection inspired by Sony Pictures Animation's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, now in theaters. Miles Morales' signature flavor, G Fuel Glitch Mix, is an appropriately artistic blend of strawberry, guava, and coconut that any hero in the Spider-Verse is sure to enjoy. Fans can pick up 16-ounce cans of Glitch Mix right now at GNC and the Vitamin Shop stores each with retailer-exclusive character artwork. G Fuel Glitch Mix cans feature 140 milligrams of caffeine, plant-based ingredients, zero sugar, zero calories, zero artificial colors, plus vitamins and antioxidants to keep you in the swing of things in this or any other universe. It's basically a cheat code in a can. G Fuel Glitch Mix is also available in 40 serving powdered energy formula tubs at the Vitamin Shop and GFuel.com but Miles isn't fighting alone. Joining Glitch Mix 
is Rainbow Sherbert Dimension Dance inspired by Spider-Gwen and Spider-Man 2099 inspired Sour Fruit Punch Future Sense. And for all those collectors out there, if you're a Marvel Standom fan, this probably applies to you, you can pre-order special Glitch Mix, Dimension Dance, and Future Sense collector's boxes right now at gfuel.com. Each comes with a 40-serving tub and a limited edition G Fuel shaker cup you can't get anywhere else. Not into caffeine? Try G Fuel's Glitch Mix Hydration Formula, which is available in a collector's box that comes with a 24-ounce steel tall boy across the Spider-Verse shaker cup. Look for retailer-exclusive G Fuel Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Glitch Mix cans now at the Vitamin Shop and GNC stores. And be sure to shop the collection at gfuel.com where you can use code STANDOM to save 25% off your order for a limited time only. G Fuel, energize your inner hero. Let's take some energy and direct it back into Across the Spider-Verse, shall we? Standout moments, huh? Too many to count. Yeah. There's got to be one. How many are we doing for each of these, Kirsty? I think we can just do one. All right, I'll go last then. Oh. I could do it. I will jump right to the end. I don't know how, like, I'm a pretty engaged uh, movie and TV watcher. Like, you know, I'm leaning forward and paying attention. Um, I They completely got me with that twist, that it wasn't his universe. I would, like, even after um, his mom says, like, who's Spider-Man? I, I didn't even, like, I still didn't get it, what was happening. I don't think it was until like right before Gwen had the realization that I did. And I think that's always just like a well-crafted twist of when the audience has to realize it at least one split second before they reveal it. Uh, For a movie that some people who were not aware that it's the second part of kind of a trilogy or just the first of a first of two, technically um, that's led to a lot of criticism about not really liking the abruptness of the ending. I think the ending is one of the best parts of this movie. Like it really leaves you off with a lot of momentum going forward. And you're still kind of reeling from that twist, or at least I was. Uh, I'll go with the general ending as a standout for me, which seems like it's cheating and you guys are really screwed now. <laughs> I I don't see twists coming anyway, usually. I think the only twist I've ever seen coming in cinema, uh, spoilers for Drag Me to Hell, a Sam Raimi joint, but was the ending of Drag Me to Hell uh, and when I, I genuinely felt cross at how signposted it was. So I, I'm usually a good mark for a twist. Um, and, this, and this got me real good. Um, my favorite moment, though, it's got to be Video Man. When they were going through the, uh, they were in the spider society and they're going through all the different uh, spideys that were there um, and all the, the, the sort of Easter eggs coming up and we had the uh, Donald Glover cameo and stuff like that. Friggin' Video Man ended me. Like, I was gone. I, I could not believe that they put that in there. And I, I, I think it was a couple of years ago I tweeted, bring back Video Man, you cowards, on Twitter. <laughs> and I went and found it. Because I was so delighted that uh, I won, basically. <laughs> I felt like I'd won. What's Video Man? <laughs> Andrew just showed showed us Video Man. But yeah, that did not help. What is Video Man? <laughs> uh, he's like a he's a he's a Video Man. He's a, like a, he's like a villain. Hmm. I know mainly from Spider Man and his amazing his amazing friends. Was it was he in any comics? Because that's the entirety of my reference. As far as I know, he was only so, on that episode of Spider Man and His Amazing Friends, which created like, for a single episode. <laughs> yeah, like this is an episode from like somewhere between you know 1981 and 1983 when home video games were a novelty and the atari 2600 ruled the world and that is what video game characters looked like and they built an entire episode around this weird kind of you know (laughs) digital sprite creation you know that looks like he's on a crt tv you know and everything and it's like to me the two most standout episodes of Spider-Man and his amazing friends are Video Man, who is like surprisingly kind of creepy when you're a yes. kid. 
absolutely. And the other one is Swarm, who scared the living crap out of me as a kid. And they didn't even use his actual comic book origin that he is a Nazi made out of bees. So like, <laughs> yeah, you heard that right, Alec. <laughs> comics are insane. And Lee just confirmed that they did indeed bring Video Man into the comics, but only oh. afterwards. Like I Okay, I, so he created for the cartoon and then yeah. they just shoved him in there somewhere. I need to track yeah. down these comics that they added Video Man to <laughs> these are that's my new Bible. <laughs> Joe, how about you? I'm gonna go with um during the party with Miles, uh with Miles's father. And just all of the secret identity shenanigans uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because they're really well edited. It's great character development and all this. But also because I love secret identities. And I feel like those have gone away in a lot of, of outside of comics, at least, superhero media. You know, the MCU, they don't really do secret identities. The Arrowverse, they kind of got rid of them. And I just think that's such a bummer because this is a perfect example of why they're so great. And that's such a classic Spider-Man thing to try to balance being a superhero and and being a, a regular person with all these expectations that are put on you. And the way that, I mean, virtual camera, of course, but the way that the camera just kind of follows Miles as he's bouncing around saying hi to everybody with the cakes and also trying to hide his costume under his outfit, that's that's I, I just I love seeing that just on a trope level. I love seeing it on a character level. And I'm so glad that there are those moments to breathe and to let us just spend time with Miles in this giant multiverse story that is crazy as it gets. It is fundamentally a Spider-Man story. And that that sequence reminded me of that. Yeah, I can get behind that. And, you know, that leads perfectly into the, the scene that I like the most is almost as low key. And it's the first meeting between Miles and the spot in the bodega. That five minutes is everything I want from Spider-Man. Like Miles or Peter, like it's tough for me to imagine any other media interpretation of Spider-Man that has just captured that character's energy as well as that bodega sequence. It's funny, it's chaotic, it feels like what a 15-year-old Spider-Man would be doing in a Brooklyn bodega, you know? Like, it just it just gets everything right. Every joke is funny, including, like, the guy working the counter. You know, we talk a lot about how the MCU is just, like, banter, 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 and, like, you know, like, everybody's always joking, but, like, how often are we really laughing, you know? Like... Like you could, I want to, I want to like go over the dialogue in that scene in like at half speed and, and just catch every little detail and like all the details on the shelves and everything else. It, this could have been like a proof of concept for like, Hey, this is why Miles Morales is cool. And this is why like a Miles Morales animated movie could work like that scene. If I was going to show anybody one scene for somebody that doesn't know these movies, that doesn't understand or care why there's another Spider-Man that is probably the sequence that I would show them. It's just, it's just perfection. What delights me is how, is how much like uh, care and effort and thought has gone into so much of this movie. Like we've heard that the chase sequence at the end took four years to for the animators to complete. That is a long time to be working on one sequence. But then you look at the Lego sequence, which was added quite kind of last minute it was done by a 14 year old kid and his dad who helped him he had um when the trailer for across the spider-verse had come out this kid had recreated it with lego and posted it on youtube they saw it and were like let's get him to do a bit for the film and they just slotted it right in there it's a treat they can work off the cuff they've they've added these things like responsibly and and had these ideas even up until the last minute but then they've they've painstakingly put so much of the rest of the film together it, it's it's like this crazy energy and it really comes through on screen do you just want to give one more shout out before we move on to the next segment here and that is jason schwartzman as the spot mm. like his line deliveries we were robbed, folks. 
Jason Schwartzman should have played Peter Parker in the Sam Raimi movies. And his dialogue in this scene is better than every line of Spidey dialogue in those movies as well. Like, like it's just, Joe, you know it's true. Like, no, as, I gotta, as I gotta as, go. This is nonsense. This as is good as some of those movies are, there's no good like Spidey wise-ass moments. We get more of those from the villain of this movie than we did in three other movies. We were robbed. Jason Schwartzman should have gone right from Rushmore into playing Peter Parker. And, and that would like somewhere that happened. And it's a much cooler part of the multiverse. I'm with you, Mike. I, I don't oh. like Toby Maguire anyway, but he, uh, Jason Schwartzman already is Bully Maguire. So I'm sure Spider-Man three would have been better with uh, him in it. Okay. Look, I, th- <laughs> you guys are talking crazy here. Utter crazy. That's, that's not, he did it, the Raimi Spider-Man is not quippy Spider-Man. We don't need that. He is very earnest, broken-hearted Spider-Man, and that's just fine. We don't need to tear down Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man to praise the spot, okay? <laughs> You're right, though. Jason Schwartzman's spot is amazing. Like, I had in my head what that would probably sound like, because, you know, I'm familiar with the character, familiar with Schwartzman, but it that that's the Bodega sequence, like you've said, Mike, it, it was... Perfect, just such a perfect marriage of voice acting and visuals that were uh, 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 just a pure animator's dream on one hand, the way that they're playing with the Spot's powers and Spidey's powers. But then every line delivery, every quip, uh, uh, the, the desperate need to get recognition from Spider-Man, that's such a played out trope, but the way that Schwartzman delivers those lines is perfect. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's just as good as Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. <laughs> or better. I mean, no, no, I'm hearing nonsense. <laughs> of course, a big focus of the movie, and understandably so, is Oscar Isaac's Miguel O'Hara, Spider Man 2099. Um, it's a very interesting take on the character, and not quite what I expected when it was revealed that they were kind of going all in with this character for this movie. But as you saw, if you're a regular Marvel standum listener or watcher, we dove into the first few issues of the Spider-Man 2099 series recently. And it does kind of make sense that they went this kind of uh, angrier route with Miguel for this movie. It's, uh, it's, it's really, uh, I was enriched having, having done our Marvel standum book club and, and revisited Spider-Man 2099 recently. But um, everything about this, the design, Oscar Isaac, like I'm almost ready to forgive and forget Moon Knight now. Uh, like you know, where where else are we landing with Miguel here? I think we were vindicated on a couple of fronts from our Spider-Man 2099 episode because his digital assistant is Lila, indeed. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but he injected himself with something. In this yes. yes. Remember that was my that was my biggest complaint about 2099 is that he should, turning into Spider-Man 2099 should not have freed him from his debilitating chemical addiction. And I I'm mean, we don't know that that didn't come back. We because we didn't keep reading after that. Like maybe no. that they did bring <laughs> that back. I could say. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do some research and find out. But yeah, I did. I did catch that. Love the claws and the the fangs as well. I wasn't expecting them to lean into that so hard. I feel like our comics really prepared us for seeing Miguel O'Hara. Um, weirdly though, he has become uh, a bit of a sex symbol on TikTok. The kids are the kids are making little fan edits of Spider Man 2099 and. Uh, they're all like, you know, he's so hot and stuff. So um, my 13-year-old is very was very into Miguel. And uh, so I showed her a picture of Oscar Isaac thinking, you know, he's, he's a handsome man. And her response was, ew. Mm. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So well, I well, guess... You didn't pick him from X-Men Apocalypse, right? You showed actual <laughs> Oscar Isaac. <laughs> yes. Actual Oscar Isaac, and I, I even went to the trouble of like selecting a number of pictures just in case I found a bad one initially. <laughs> and she was like, "No, no." She didn't want to hear that Oscar Isaac was the voice of uh, Miguel. She just she just wants to believe in the the mystery and the allure of the uh, the animated version. 
Do any of you have a theory on why you could see the the, the guidelines in Miguel? You know, like he was an unfinished sketch sort of thing. I, they, the spot Ooh, I was like that for a little bit, but I, I couldn't, I didn't know if that was just a, a flourish or if there was something thematic that one of you picked up on, but. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. And I'm not sure. Another thing I did notice, though, do you think it's similar that in the the Miles animation world, I think people's jaw lines are drawn? Mm -hmm. like that's I don't know. Maybe it's just a quirk from the Miguel O'Hara world. I think that might go to all the different animation styles for all of their different universes. I mean, whatever it is, nothing is accidental in this movie. You know, I remember when I was a kid and when somebody like an older like like a like a cool like comic shop guy was like okay like you're ready for watchmen you know what i mean like and the way he explained this to me he's like this isn't your regular comic he said every single like every single detail in every single panel matters you know like that was basically how that this was sold to me it's like you're not just looking at you know you're not just reading the words you're not just looking at the pictures now it's like Every single detail is going to end up mattering to the story. And the more you read this, the more you're going to pick up on it, right? That is how I feel about, about these Spider-Verse movies. The, the, the animators, we talked at the start of the show about just the sheer amount of effort and love that went into this. So that means, yeah, if there's visible guidelines around Miguel O'Hara, like there's a reason for that. You know, if if the if the jawlines are more like noticeably animated in Miguel's world, I mean, in uh, in in Miles' world, like there's a reason for that. I would sit and listen to them explain every frame of this movie, and that mm -hmm. would be it. Like, like just just whenever whenever the Blu-ray comes out, if it's eight hours of commentary, I'm booking a day off, folks. I'm there. <laughs> this is such like a layup of an observation that we haven't even you know brought it up yet. But like, God, the art is gorgeous. Gwen's watercolor world, astonishing. Did any of you know about that going into it? Because it was such a like just that was like the first of the amazing surprises when when you realize that each world has its own art style and you know five minutes in you're like oh this is this is watercolors it is gorgeous it is warm she's in a different universe like just kind of putting together all of that and on board right away there so did you guys know that or was that a surprise to you as well joe i am outraged <laughs> I am simply, I'm boiling and fuming right now uh -oh. because Hi, the fact that you didn't know means you didn't watch my interview with the Spider-Verse directors no. oh. where we talked about it and that was out ages before the film. My exclusive interview. Technical problems. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm shamed. I apologize, Mom. Yes, I did know. <laughs> I absolutely did too because I watched every minute of Kirsten's interview. Yeah, you did. You know, I'm real curious to see how big a role Miguel has in the next movie as well, because it feels like they could kind of just leave it there, right? Like, like I I wouldn't be surprised if they're just like, look, you know, like he's not gonna be as central to the next movie. Um because there's so many other threads to pick up on, but man, I, I do want to see more. And like, I almost wish, I almost wish there was bandwidth for them to do like a series of shorts doing origin stories. Like I want to see his origin story animated. I want to see Jess Drew's origin story animated, you know, back in the day, you know, back, like, you know, all the classic Disney and Popeye and Warner brothers cartoons, like, before TV was a thing, like you'd go to the movies and you'd get a newsreel and you'd get a chapter of a movie serial and you'd get a couple cartoons, right? I really feel like Sony could be onto something by bringing that back and 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 playing things like that in front of future releases. I really would be so on board with that. I'll be amazed if they're able to get the next movie out on schedule because it just, it's it's just unfathomable to me the amount of work that went into this. Yeah, I know they did a Spider-Ham short um, off of the first movie. So 
there is a precedent for that. And boy, it just, it feels like there's so many interesting threads that they kind of, they, they have to do that, right? Because it, it, we're always going to end up with the short shrift um, mm. if they if they don't, which maybe, maybe that's the way to go about it. But boy, I hope you're right. I would love to see more of so many of the extra spider characters. Oh, wow. It comes out on Lee's birthday next year. <laughs> Happy birthday, Lee. Talking of birthdays, yeah. do you know that it's Marvel Standom's second birthday? That looks like a gun. literally yes. today i think it was the 10th that the first video came out in 2021 but we had recorded it a little earlier so it, yeah, it sure. could very well be today yeah two years we've been doing this shit oh wow <laughs> but we didn't start we didn't start going live until like almost a year later right right i'll bring you a i'm not proud cake <laughs> <laughs> kirsty you put on the run of show easter eggs and i did not take notes during this movie like folks i i gotta i gotta confess i just gotten off a plane like i did not see a press screening of this movie and i'm like sick as hell because new york city is a hellscape right now with like with smoke and fires so i was not fully in my right mind when i watched this movie so in terms of easter eggs i don't know where to start because i know there's more than we can possibly count so how do you want to handle this segment, Kirsty? <laughs> um, I, I just I just put it down there because uh, we always want to talk about the Easter eggs. But you're right. There are so many. Um, I don't know whether this counts as an Easter egg, but I, I really enjoyed Peter Parked Car, who I had never heard of before in my life before this movie. And now I'm obsessed with uh, I'm obsessed with the car. Uh, and I found out that Peter Park car works for J. Jonah Jalopy, um, which is my my new favorite Spider-Man trivia, where I'll be saying it to everyone uh, endlessly. I, this was this was great. Um, there was some really good stuff. <laughs> Donald Glover's cameo as Prowler is like is massive for uh, fans of Spider-Man Homecoming and Donald Glover, actually. Oh wow! So wait, they actually they actually put him in a costume for that. That wasn't. Yes. Um, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I think they read that they had to put this costume together in a month as well, and uh, it usually takes a lot longer than that to uh, make one of these. So to me, that was the best possible way to like really nod to the MCU proper. Because mm. in case you don't remember, folks, you know Donald Glover had a you know, brief scene in, uh, in Spider-Man homecoming as, you know, like as Miles' uncle. And he even mentions like his young nephew and everything, but like, he's not the prowler at that point, you know, he's just kind of some dude who's going down a bad path. So now here we are, uh, in across the Spider-Verse and things have changed just enough where he's gone full costume supervillain. And I just, I, when I saw that scene, I just assumed that like, okay, well, you know, they probably just put him in like one of those motion capture suits and like, you know, built it onto him afterwards or whatever. The fact that that's a practical Prowler suit just makes this that much cooler to me. And now we know what the Prowler looks like in the MCU. That just, little things like that make me way happier than actual crossover movies. Joe, you know, you're a pretty sharp-eyed comic book fan and student of Spidey history. Did anything particularly jump out to you on the Easter egg front? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I love seeing Future Foundation Spider-Man from the uh, the run where uh, he was oh. a member of the fan. Yeah, he's just in the background, but he's in the white and black uh, uh, uniform for the little bit where he replaces Human Torch on the FF. That was cool. The big question, Easter egg, uh, is raised by the Donald Glover appearance. So if, if Aaron Davis is the prowler in the MCU... Does that mean that Hobie Brown is Spider-Punk in the MCU? Because, of course, in the main line, the 616 continuity, Hobie is the Prowler. Uh, but here we got a taste of Hobie as Spider-Punk, which I love the Prowler, but Spider-Punk was amazing. So, Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even talked about Hobie Brown yet. Spider-Punk steals the movie. Yeah, 
And it's shocking that Daniel Kaluuya is such a great eye actor. And then you take away like his his main thing. You just make it his voice. And he's still amazing. That was I, I didn't even I've forgotten that that was uh, Kaluuya until afterwards. And it's such a great, fun performance. Everything about the visuals, everything about the, the voice acting, everything about the attitude. What a great character. I feel like a lot of American uh, movie fans suddenly found out that Daniel's English. <laughs> I watched Black Mirror. You knew. Um, God, he was awesome. And I, I like part of me, like I didn't really understand the whole spider punk thing. Uh, and part of me wondered if it would be cringe. It works so well. I, it's, it's just like, I think Mike said it, like he steals the movie. He's an incredible character and he's fascinating to look at. Yeah. And it's like, and again, it's another like completely different style that just works. And I cannot stress enough, folks, you need to read the Spider-Punk limited series that came out last year by Cody Ziegler and Justin Mason. And I, I, the colorist's name is eluding me right now. And I feel terrible about that because the colors are just just wild, just unlike anything you see in like mainstream com mainstream superhero comics at the moment. That book is a complete delight. And if you want to get a sense of what Hobie Brown's world is like, you can just go right into that book, not know anything else and just, and just have a blast. And Cody Ziegler made like a pretty legit playlist on Spotify to go along with that book. So I, 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 it was one of my favorite comics of last year. And I never would have expected that. Like, it's like, Oh, spider punk. Like, Oh God, like what, what cringy nonsense is this going to be? And it's just so like full of real genuine love. Go check it out. Like everybody, everybody who likes that character in this movie should go read those comics. Cody is the best man. And if your favorite episode of she Hulk last year was the one with daredevil, guess who wrote that? Oh. Yes. Go go read those comics. He he's the best. I didn't. I wasn't sure whether to bring this up, but uh, it's been brought to my attention that there's a theory that Spider Punk has blue laces on his boots because that's code that he's killed a cop. Wow! And <laughs> I'm sure that they will never confirm <laughs> that. But <laughs> um, was it Captain Stacy? That would be a nice uh, <laughs> bringing it back around. Y'all really hate Ben Riley, huh? Yeah, Mike, Whoa, I'm surprised you I, haven't brought, I thought Ben, you were a Ben guy. I'm just talking about like comic book fans in general. Like, this, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like this is Ben Riley's appearance in this movie is maybe like the longest inside joke I've ever seen in a movie that I don't understand. <laughs> Joe, do you think you can explain, or Mike, do you think you can briefly explain the Ben Riley thing for people that don't know? the Ben Riley history. I know it's complex. I know it's very cloney, but yeah. is there a is there a simple explanation you can give to our watchers and listeners who maybe aren't familiar with him? Joe, do you want to do you want to attempt this or should sure. I sure so in the 90s <laughs> um say uh, no more Marvel editorial thought of Peter Parker was no longer uh relatable because he was married and uh, middle-aged and all that sort of thing. So they introduced a storyline in which there was a clone named Ben Riley, And for a while, it, the, the reveal was going to be that Peter was the clone and Ben Riley is the original Peter. And Peter was going to dye his hair blonde, which is, I think is a little bit of a ref, nod in, uh, in Spider-Verse. Dye his hair blonde and him and MJ were going to go with their daughter May and off over there. Uh, eventually they reversed it and... Uh, Ben got stabbed and turned into a pile of goo, but has come back uh, fairly regularly as as Peter's brother, uh, the Scarlet Spider, who is wearing the costume right there. So that's the simplified version. That's the simplified version. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know how I'm always telling you to read comics? You know how I'm always <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, all right, like, check this out. Right. Don't check this one out. <laughs> I, I was buying the clone saga religiously when it was coming out. I was working in a comic shop. I was like, all right, this is interesting. And like the idea that like I caught on pretty quickly that they were, I'm like, I'm like, wait, what if Ben is the real guy, which I thought would have been pretty cool, you know, um, but it's a bad story. But what is good about it 
is that Scarlet Spider design kicks all kinds of ass. And there is some great Tom Lyle art in that story. But like, you're getting it in the movie. The fact that every time Ben Riley appears and like when it goes to his world, it even looks like that's what the comics were colored like, you know, <laughs> it's great. And that's all we need. And like, I am a fan of Ben Riley solely because of that Scarlet Spider design. There's really not a heck of a lot else to recommend the character. You know, that being said, this is, this is the only like remotely critical thing I'm going to say about anything related to this movie. I do feel that the whole like Lego Batman talking like this joke is not funny. It stopped being funny in the Lego Batman movie after 15 minutes, like, and having, you know, having Ben Riley just basically doing Lego Batman, like, I don't know. I think I think they're better than that. They could have they could have swung harder there. But maybe this is my 90s kid weirdness being protective of of my awesome looking Scarlet Spider. I don't know. I mean, I think that's just Andy Samberg. He's just he does those uh, same voiceovers. And I think he worked on um, Lord and Miller's uh, some of their previous movies as well. So it's kind of uh, an Easter egg for those like Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, which I think Justin K. Thompson one of the directors of this, maybe he was a production designer or he directed it or wrote it. I'm not sure actually, but um, they've been going, they go back years. And I think, uh, you know, it's just sort of a, it's a, it's a nod to a number of things having Sandberg in that role, but I didn't mind it. But then I like those Lego movies. So <laughs> maybe I'm a, another, a mark. Sandberg kind of infamously does his Nicolas Cage impression. Like that's the voice he's doing. And it's kind of weird that he's doing that voice in a movie that also like features Nicolas Cage. I don't think he speaks at the end, but like a universe that features Nicolas Cage. Does the fact that J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson in every different corner of the multiverse count as an Easter egg? Like that that is the one constant. <laughs> that just felt like that was like uh, siding with the MCU's decision that we just need to bring JK. I mean, he is the er J. Jonah Jameson. They are, there is no variant. The variants are, does he have hair or not? And that's, yes. that's the rest of it's got to be that voice. Yes. I'm so glad you picked that up. I, I love that detail. Like why mess, why mess with perfection? Exactly. Like, like, like everything in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, Perfection, perfectly cast. Mm. There was an Easter egg I was desperately looking for and that I think was promised. And Joe, if anybody would have caught this, you would have. Where is Japanese Spider-Man? Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't see our shoot. I'm blanking on the mech's name. What's the mech? Le, 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 oh. Uh, Leopardon, right? Or Leopardon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the emissary from hell. No, I didn't see him either. I, I, I didn't even think yeah. to look. But yeah, you're right. That was the one that I kept like squinting at all of the background Spideys for. It's like, come on, where's Japanese Spidey? Yeah, you got to wonder if that's in there someplace. The um, the the three dev Adam Turkish Spider Man, where he creates clones and <laughs> and is a drug lord. Yeah, there's got to have some of those weird weirder ones got to be in there someplace. I've only seen it the once, and there's so much to take in. I got to see it again. You know, I love spotting stuff like that. The fact that this movie, the story itself is so compelling and we are so emotionally involved with the journey of every single main character that I was too busy worrying about that to, to be like to be like picking Easter eggs out of the corners of the frames. You know, it's great. It just it just makes the movie that much stronger. It's an approach that works here, but maybe doesn't work for something like Ready Player One where they're doing basically the same thing, you know, putting all these things that you can spot and recognize and, you know, from the past or from stuff you've read or watched and it doesn't feel too much and it's not annoying, um, which is, is, is really hard to pull off. Oh my gosh, it's spider cat. I just kept, <laughs> I, I keep thinking of things we haven't even talked about. Uh, we haven't talked about Spider-Man India, who is absolutely... Oh my Incredible. god, he ruled! The main spider crew in this is flawless. Like, from Pav to Hobie, to, like, the, I, it makes me particularly excited 
for the next installment of this when we take this crew that Gwen has assembled plus the old timers like Spider-Man and I'll just call him Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it's not Spider-Man. <laughs> He's literally Nicolas Cage. Um, what a delight it will be to watch this like fascinating collection of spidered individuals. I can't remember the last time that I watched a superhero movie and could not wait to watch it again. Yes. You know, like Guardians 3 is a fantastic movie. I, I'm, not, I'm not, was not in a hurry to watch it again because it's just too emotionally devastating for me. The Batman is like brilliant movie. Probably my favorite Batman movie. Was not in a hurry to immediately watch it again because that movie's tough and it's long. The credits rolled on this movie. I could have sat there and just done it again and not even blinked. The way that ending built, and you know, you, you knew you were reaching the end, and there were a couple of points where it's like, is this where they're going to drop it? Is this where going to where they're going to where they're going to drop it? And I know there's been some chatter online with people kind of complaining that this is like a like a hard, you know, second part of a trilogy ending. Yes, I understand. In the two towers, you know, if you ha if you're not already a Tolkien fan, like that could have felt a little abrupt, right? With Avengers Infinity War, it was genuinely shocking the way it ended. Like, even I was, like, totally shocked by this. But the ending here, this was an emotional cliffhanger. This was an Empire Strikes Back ending, you know? Like, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that you can do this kind of like, yeah, this is part one or two, like, I don't know that you can do it much better than this. That is what is it? it's evocative of for me. It's more Empire Strikes Back than Infinity War. And I thought the ending of Infinity War was incredibly effective, but it was in part because it was so shocking. This is not that, like despite the big surprise at the end, right? It just feels like you're like, oh my God, like this is where we're leaving these, these people that we care so much about now, almost impossible to accomplish and not feel like a cynical corporate exercise. I do have to admit that I found the ending to be a bit abrupt in the, in like the, the more like the Dune sort of way where just, it felt like there's more to this story and, and it's just stopping, but it, it also worked on a comic book sort of way. Like this felt like the end of the trade and I can't wait to get the next volume sort of thing. I mean, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, I know people will complain that, well, cinema and, and, and comics are two different things, but the Spider-Verse movies are all about blending that. I mean, we've got editor's notes on screen in this movie. So that doesn't bother me that that it it's drawing from comic book storytelling in that particular way, as opposed to uh, uh, superhero storytelling. But I am a little I am sympathetic with those who felt like the ending was a bit abrupt. Yeah, I did like that. They kept showing us the comics. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which With could the creators credited, which was awesome. Yes, could have taken me out of it, but I just found it delightful. It really should take me out of it, but it for some yeah. reason it just always works. And I, I think it just might be because of the buy-in that they earn with you. Again, like that effort and, and earnestness. Um, but to a certain extent, this movie is way more meta than I anticipated it being. It's almost like it's not literally this, but it's close to a movie about actual comic book characters discovering like the actual pages around them and trying to like overcome them more or less. Like just like defy the very medium itself. They'll look at the audience and say, I can see you. Yeah, Grant Morrison sort of thing. Yeah. Grant Morrison, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's Spider-Man presents the invisibles. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it really shouldn't work because like who who needs more meta commentary from a comic book movie at this point? But I think just the level of buy-in, the level of effort, the level of care put in, and the solid fundamentals of the story just make it all work. Yeah, a lot of credit needs to go to Shamik Moore playing Miles because I think that's the thing that makes it work is that when the meta stuff starts to come in and you they start using language like canon event and you know that he's he's got the he's broken the canon and he was never supposed to be spider-man and you can almost feel like okay we've put internet trolls uh their lines into what miguel's saying 
the reason that it it doesn't feel too meta and it still feels like this is Miles' story is because we believe him as a character. And we believe when he says, I'm going to do my own thing, you know, everybody keeps telling me that, what my story should be. That comes from a character development that was set up with the first movie with all the great expectations. Everybody's telling Miles who he's supposed to be. And that was such a heroic character moment instead of a heroic uh ip or 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 meta moment and and that's and again all of the the credit goes to more for embodying this character which is a strange thing to say about a voice role but he does it feels like a full person and it's just an amazing performance he leveled up from the first movie and he was great in the first movie too but like at no point do i ever feel like this is not you know, like an actual 15 year old, basically. Right. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like somebody, you know, my age or whatever. Like, how do you do fellow kids? But like, <laughs> but I get so invested in Miles in particular and his parents as well. Like you almost forget you're watching animated characters. You know what I mean? And of course, like that speaks once again to the craft of the movie. But without the right voice actor you don't you don't get there and yeah joe that that line that you spotlighted right there hit me in the chest in the movie you know like that's one of the most powerful like that's one of the most powerful lines that a superhero lead has said in in one of these movies in years just blown away just blown away five stars for everybody everybody <laughs> everybody involved the caterers get five stars like, like everybody you know like strictly speaking is like again that's another moment that shouldn't work for me in particular because I, i'm a little bit tired of what's the word for the i think is it deontology like the philosophy of like save one life over the rest and then like universalist would be like save many lives over yes. the one it's not silly because it's his dad but at the same time like i kind of see where the other spider people are coming from so like there's a version of this movie where that moment comes across as bratty and childish for Miles and not having like a full reckoning of what he's doing and how the world and the universes really work. But Joe, you're right. It hit me like a like a like a, a truck. Like, yes, do your own thing, King. Go off. Absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I buy him, I believe him, and I know he's gonna figure it out. Um, it's remarkable how great of a character he is in a movie that shouldn't even feel like it's about him because there's so much stuff going on, but it never doesn't feel like the Miles Morales movie. Anyway, yeah, five stars. Five stars. Let's just start saying five stars for the rest of the show. <laughs> five, stars. Five, five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. When when Peter tells Miles that he became a dad because of him, like that was, I mean, like, that's like a historic Peter Parker moment, like way more than just the act of, of like, Oh, Peter and MJ have a kid now, like getting into Peter's head that way. And it's like, no, it's like the time that we spent together in the first movie is what made me want to, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't like, like that's not even something that's been explored on the page with, with that character. You know, it's like, yeah, Lee is, Lee, Lee is right to also give, give Jake Johnson like full credit here. Like, because and he's only in the movie for like eight minutes when you when you add it all up. And when he's there, he's great. But he's like even more of a second banana in this than he is in the first movie. You know, they go out of their way to make him look like extra frumpy and like, you know, just like not Spidey like at all. And he he delivers one line that even further elevates Miles. You know, it's like, look, I've read. I've read some Miles comics. I haven't read a ton of them. I haven't read all of the Bendis run. I did read all of the uh, the Saladin Ahmed's uh, run, which is amazing. And I just started the Cody Ziegler run. But like, I'm not like a Miles expert. You know what I mean? I'm not somebody like, you know, look, I'm not going to, you know, Peter's my Spidey. Like that's, that's how it is. But like Miles doesn't have to be my Spidey. This movie adds so many layers to that character and makes me love and appreciate and root for him more that I know the next time I go back and whether it's revisiting comics that I've already read or reading new stories that are coming out, once again, we got to, we got to like, we, we got to prop up Mr. Cody Ziegler because he's doing amazing work in Marvel comics and, and in the MCU now, like 
I am going to appreciate and love this character more because of moments in this movie. I can't even say that about like Nolan's Batman movies. You know what I mean? Like Nolan's Batman movies are like, they're all great. I don't care. Even Dark Knight Rises, they're all great. (laughs) But like, they don't make me love Batman more or understand Batman better. You know, this movie makes me love Miles more, makes me understand the character, makes me want to understand him better and makes me love broader spider lore even more. I, I just, I can't, the only thing I wish with this movie is I wish that like, like the four of us and and Andrew and Lee and everybody watching here in the comments. Like, I wish that, like, I wish that we were in a theater watching it together. You know, like that's like, that's the only thing that could have enriched this movie even more for me. Well, if there's a outrageously wealthy uh, viewer right now, yeah. <laughs> run out of theater in a central location. <laughs> make this happen we'll throw a party we'll make it a party for the four of us it's going to be in the water so right. <laughs> we're taking a cruise yeah <laughs> do we think that um beyond the spider-verse ends with miles morales becoming live action because oh, wow they say that there's one in development now and it feels like the timing of sort of announcing that they're working on that fits with the next movie being a Miles Morales live action movie. Um, This comes out in 2024. We could realistically have something ready for 2025. Um, Would you like to see that happen? Or would you just like to like contain it to the animated universe you know there's such animated movies you know that the, the, they they play they embrace the the genre and the medium of animation so much that it feels like a shame to end it on that note like i wouldn't mind mm-hmm. a, a wink you know to a live action miles in there like like the but like um toby mcguire and andrew garfield showing up for a little bits and across the spider I wouldn't mind that. Um, but that seems like a real, sh- that, that seems to abandon the one that brought them to the dance, so to speak. Like they, they pushed animation so far that that shouldn't be the end point. That said, these, the, 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 this creative team has totally earned my trust. So whatever they want to do, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I'll take a wink. Cause I, I like that. Like, a post-credit scene is fine, um, but I wouldn't like it if it factored prominently um, until in, in the end of the story. Yeah, that's fair enough. I would prefer that if they're going to do Miles in live action, they do it in conjunction with the MCU as well. Um, like I feel it would play nicely into, you know, in, in into like all of the other legacy characters that they're bringing in there, and you know, might be a little bit you know more of a shot in the arm that you know, that that franchise seems to need to some degree. Look, all the only prediction that I'm going to make about Beyond the Spider-Verse right now is that I'm going to be there opening day. (laughs) And like, it will probably make me like tear up at some point, you know? And if these first two movies are anything to go by, it's going to be yet another entry like that goes, that sits very high on every best movie of the year list and every best superhero movie of all time list. It's just I, like, I trust these people. That, I, I feel trust like, these people. I feel like we could be looking at the, one of the best trilogies of all time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, like it, it's it, like they, they nailed it from the start. I have no doubt they're going to stick the landing and it makes all of Sony's other like corporate Spider-Man garbage worthwhile. I will endure 15 <laughs> assy venom movies if that is the price i have to pay like and six more morbiuses like if that is the price i have to pay to to make this third movie as perfect as the first two then so be it all is forgiven sony all is forgiven except no way home but uh, <laughs> So I'll put you down for a ticket to Craven the Hunter, right, Mike? <laughs> and Craven Four. Wow, that monkey paw just curled. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I know. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. Lee just brought up a good point. I know we're running long, folks, so we're gonna have, we're gonna have to wrap it up in a second. But Lee just brought up a good point. 
he said he was the only one who recognized Mrs. Chen from the from the Venom movies. And like, it took me a minute. I was like, what's going on here? Like, I know this is supposed to be important. You know what I mean? But like, I've watched each of those movies once and like promptly put them out of my mind. I don't know if that was as big a win as as the as the Sony execs thought it was. I knew that it was Mrs. Chen because they'd released it as a clip beforehand online and they were sort of touting it as like, you know, across the Spider-Verse is uh, got a little Venom crossover and stuff like that. Um, so I, I knew who Mrs. Chen was. And also I just recognized that sort of blue gray ass lighting they use. <laughs> Any other five star uh, love letters we want to write to this movie before we sign off? Good poster movie. Gwen has Protect Trans Kids poster. Miles' roommate has Tottenham Hotspur. Miles has Brooklyn Nets. Just good posters. <laughs> missed all of those. I totally missed Gwen's Protect Trans Kids poster. What can we say? If you've made it this far, you've already seen the movie. Like, you're not here because you're avoiding spoilers, right? But see this movie again. Like, take your kids to go see it. When I was walking into my matinee screening, Another screening was just letting out. That was like a field trip for a bunch of young kids because it's like like the school year is almost over in NYC. And so there were like two busloads of kids in Queens that had were just walking out of a screening of, of Across the Spider-Verse. And like the joy that they were radiating was just contagious. Make this the movie of the summer. Take your kids to see it. It's just like, this is this is what we want from this kind of stuff. I brought my six-year-old, got him all hopped up on soda and Starburst, and he still was captivated for the full two and a half hours. So really? you can do that. Is soda and Starburst <laughs> his drug of choice? At uh... Uh, Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> I was always a, a cherry Coke and uh, cherry Coke and peanut M&M's guy. So Okay. <laughs> Milk duds. Do they have these things in the UK, Kirsty, or uh, is it different uh, different treats? Did you say Starburst? No. Starburst, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have Starburst. We used to call them something else, though. I can't remember what now because my brain is mush, but they used to have a different name here. Because Snickers wasn't always called Snickers here. It was called Marathon. So we used to have different names for the candies, and then as they went along and got bought out and stuff like that, they, they uh, embraced their American names. But yeah, we have Starburst, not Milk Duds, though, unless you go to an American candy store. Lee, you've already seen this three times, you maniac. Who knows? That that could be me by the end of the weekend. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not shading you. Um, I think that's it, folks. Thanks again to our sponsor, G Fuel. The Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse shakers are available free at the Vitamin Shop uh, with G Fuel purchases of forty dollars or more. Check these out. Like, this is pretty awesome. You have Miles, you have Miguel, and you have Gwen. I'm taking this one home. This is going to accompany me to the gym. Uh, remember, though, it's only available via this promotion. Visit stores for details. And limited edition G Fuel Glitch Mix cans are available at the Vitamin Shop and GNC with can designs unique and exclusive to each retailer. Fans can visit the Vitamin Shop and GNC locations to collect both versions. Thanks again, Joe, for joining us. You still put up with us every day anyway, but we always love having you on the show. Folks, do not forget to follow Den Geek US on YouTube and twitch.tv slash Den Geek TV. You can catch our upcoming episodes, which includes, Kirsty. what are we doing next week? Next week features the return of Marvel Stand and Book Club. We will be reading Meet the Scrolls which is a five-issue series from 2019. If you want to read along with us and uh, take a look at that series next week and when we'll be discussing it um, so you know what the heck we're talking about, uh, please, please feel free. It's on Marvel Unlimited now. You can, you can read up right on there. Right after that, we're, it's going to be Secret Invasion time, isn't it? Right? So it's going to be a, it's going to be a busy summer. Uh, don't forget, we are also at Marvel Standom on Twitter and Instagram. Drop us a line. Let us know what you want us to cover in upcoming episodes, or if you have any questions about stuff that we've already covered, or I don't know, like you want to like yell at us for not talking about enough Easter eggs in this movie. Don't forget, we also have a DC show. Check out DC Standom when you can on all major podcast platforms, and we also have our amazing 
Paranormal and Horror Show, Talking Strange, hosted by the brilliant Aaron Sagers. Once again, these are available wherever you get your podcasts, and you should be haunting, haunting, I tell you, our Twitch channel and our YouTube feed. Thanks to Andrew Halley, best producer in the multiverse. Special shout out to Michael R., also the best producer in the multiverse. He handles the audio version of this show. Thank you, Lee Parham. Lee's already seen this movie three more times in the time it took me to say that. Most of all, though, thank all of you for watching, listening, following, and subscribing. This has been Marvel Standom on the Denny Geek Network. Until next time, remember, folks, we stand together. <laughs>